Yo, today's QOD is how long can you wait? Here we go. The day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We got Angela Duckworth on the show today. She is the author of a fantastic book that I highly recommend called Grit. Like, go out there, buy it right now. I'm going to leave a link in the description for this episode. And you know what? Let me tell you something. I, I did something recently. I turned my closet into my office. So I have a walk-in closet. I put a nice desk in here, a nice lamp, um, some soundproofing for the podcast. Uh, So everything I need is in my closet. And you might think that's kind of weird because, you know, I have like a regular office with books and a really nice desk. And it's pretty awesome, to be honest. But here's the thing. Let me tell you. I get so much more work done in my closet. Now, like, why do I get more work done in my closet? Because there's no distractions at all. Like in my regular office, there's books, you know, within my line of sight, there's a TV on the other side of the wall. There is a pool table. I can see the kitchen. There's food in there, right? Sometimes I just like to walk around the front room. I can get very easily distracted. But in my closet, it's just me, my shoes, and my clothes, and my work. The phone does not come into the closet. The phone right now is in the kitchen. And so what she's going to talk about today is self-control. And the reason why I've been really studying self-control lately is because, you know, I work with coaches and entrepreneurs to help them become more successful in their businesses. However, one of the most important things that an entrepreneur needs to have because an entrepreneur is usually working for themselves, of course, is they have to have self-control. But if you're on Instagram all day and picking up your phone and checking your notifications and on and on and on, that is a lack of self-control and you're probably not going to get anything done. You're going to be very unproductive. And so what Angela is going to talk about is the science of self-control. She's going to talk about delayed gratification. If you're an entrepreneur, you have to accept that delayed gratification is part of the deal. It is not going to blow up overnight. It doesn't work that way. You're going to have to do the little by little, a little becomes a lot, but it's going to take time. And she's also going to talk about WHOOP, which is really cool. I'm going to make an episode of Mindset Coach about WHOOP, which is a different way of visualizing and also planning for the obstacles that that are going to happen along your journey. So it's pretty cool. I know she kind of um, gears this message to kids, but also think about how you can use this yourself. Angela Duckworth, she's coming up. Self-control is the other thing that I study, and I kind of snuck this in here because nobody ever asked me to come talk about self-control, but really, it's such an important thing to be self-controlled in life, and um, and there are more people in my lab who work on self-control than work on grit. So, um, you know, those in the room are well acquainted with the marshmallow test uh, by Walter Michel, um, you know, the probably maybe one of the greatest psychologists in our century um, and in any century. And what Walter did when he was a young psychologist at Stanford was to create a test of the ability to delay gratification. Given the choice between two treats and one treat, 
How long can you wait to have two instead of one? And the phrase delay of gratification comes not from Walter, but from Freud. So Freud said in introductory lectures to psychoanalysis that the chief developmental milestone of a child becoming an adult is the ability to delay the gratification of their impulses so that they can be discharged at an appropriate time. Right? In other words, there are times in life, whether you're four years old, 14, or 44, that you really ought not do something that feels good right away so that you are better off you know, moments, minutes, hours, days later. Um, so self-control, I think, complements grit. But whereas grit is about staying with things over years, uh, self-control is really about, in the moment, resisting what Francis Galton called the hourly temptations. And maybe Frog and Toad said it best, willpower is just trying hard not to do something that you really want to do. Um, I highly recommend the short story Cookies uh, for those who want a little more insight into that. Why is this especially important in school? Well, there's a fascinating study done about 1,200 middle school and high school kids were followed around. They actually wore wristwatches for a week. And 56 times over the course of that week during waking hours, the, the watch beat them. And they filled out a long questionnaire about what they were doing and how they were feeling. And if you code what they said, the vast majority of beeps that are kind of you know, not maintenance activities, the, the largest proportion of waking moments for kids is academic work. Right? And how do they characterize academic work? Well, in the moment that you beep them, you also ask them, hey, whatever it is that you're doing right now, how important is it to your future goals? And there is not an ethnic subgroup or gender sub Every kid in this study, more or less, endorsed academic goals as being the most, the academic activities being the most important to their future relative to anything else they do, right? Boys, girls, black, white, Hispanic, urban, rural, rich, poor, A students, F students, all give you the same kind of response. And here's what they uniformly say as well. Uh, but it's not really fun right now in the moment, right? Classic delay of gratification. Good for me in the long run, not as fun as something else I could do right now, which is why self-control predicts things, I think, like final grades better than does IQ, um, and that is why I work on it. So um, I want to say something about self-control in terms of the kinds of um, student populations many of us are working with. As you know, the number of stressful life events, you know, disruptions like my parents are breaking up, my dad or mom lost their job, somebody I know got shot, um, somebody I know is very sick, my best friend moved away, these are stressful life events which actually we found in several longitudinal studies impair self-control in school-age children. Crap happens to you, you have a stress response, you feel anxious, you feel out of control, uh, you get you know, very reactive. That actually decreases uh, measures of self-control uh, you know, shortly after these negative life events. So um, one thing I want to say is um, about things that we are you know, very um, unable in many ways to, to you know, do anything about, but that we should recognize with the kids that we work with, that, that things happen to them that are going to impair their ability to control their emotions, their attention, and their behavior. Uh, so what do we do about that if we can't control the negative life events? Well, as Walter Michelle said, or actually I made up this quote for him and emailed it to him. I was like, Walter, can I say that you said that the most important scientific discovery about self-control is that it can be taught? And he said, sure. So, um, you know, I think this does capture him.
his, uh, his, his feeling about this, because as he has said, as a father, as a grandfather, and as a scientist who has studied self-control for more decades than you've been alive, Angela, um, the most important thing is that when kids exercise self-control, it's not just you know the prefrontal cortex squishing lower level impulses. They're often using artful, creative, clever strategies. And these strategies can, in fact, be taught, modeled, and encouraged by teachers. So just as one little example, and there are many, um, kids can be taught to make plans, right? So instead of just you know encountering temptations when they come upon you and figuring out what to do in the moment, you can plan ahead. And everybody in this room has done goal setting with their kids, but at NYU, Gabrielle Ettingen and Peter Goldwitzer have been studying the best way to set goals and make plans for 20 years. And they have developed, for example, this basic structure that when kids think about what they should do, they should first think about what they want to do, their wish. Then they should think about why they have that wish. What would be the best outcome? What would be the best thing about that wish coming true? No wrong answers. Then they think, third, hmm, what's the obstacle that stands in the way? Why has my wish not come true? Why am I not already getting an A in math? Why am I not already paying attention in history class? And then they make a plan, an if-then plan. If trigger, then action. This is like addiction, but good, right? So trigger response, but the kid decides, what do I want to trigger my response and what do I want my response to be? Right? If Chantel you know, starts talking to me in class, then let's see, what do I want to say to her? Then I will say, Chantel, I gotta work right now. Right? The kid thinks about it not in the moment, but far in advance of the moment. And when you do that, you can, for example, improve grade point average, school attendance, and teacher ratings of classroom behavior. This actually took place at the KIPP school in Harlem, and we increased all of those metrics by half a standard deviation. Um, I'm going to give you a flavor of one last uh, intervention study or one strategy that uh, Walter might encourage us to pursue as educators. This actually is um, something that's called situation modification. So it's about changing your physical place. Imagine sending your fifth graders home and saying your homework assignment is to change two things in your house two physical things, where the remote control is, where you keep your cell phone, where the TV is, where you study. You know, two physical changes that will make self-control easier. It's not changing you, it's changing your world, but it's your job to change your world, right? So um, I'll just play you a little bit of this. In one experiment, researchers from Cornell University examined whether removing temptations from sight helps people accomplish their goal. Researchers put jars of candy in office workers' cubicles for a month, and then counted how much candy they ate each day. We're trying to develop videos like this with written activities where we teach kids the science of it, right? So it's not just sort of admonishing them and lecturing them. It's like, oh, by the way, research at Stanford shows this. Research at Cornell shows this. 
How could you use this in your own everyday lives? Now you write in the space below what you could do, take a picture with your cell phone, that kind of thing. So this idea of situation modification, I think is extremely interesting from the perspective of educators, because this is what teachers have been doing all the, you know, everything in classroom management is about modifying the situation. But the twist is this. Now you're going to get the kids to say, I want to sit in the front of the room, as opposed to you putting them in the front of the room debate. You know, so this is, I think, the, the move from control to self-control. That was Angela Duckworth. Her website is AngelaDuckworth.com. You can watch today's entire talk on the YouTube. It is called Angela Duckworth at the 2014 STC Forum in Harlem. Also pick up her book, Grit. It is fantastic. There is a link in the description for today's episode. And that's it. I hope you enjoyed today's talk. I will see you tomorrow with Throwback Thursday and Eric Thomas. I'm out. Peace. Peace.